Hey, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. Shane, this I think this will be our last one of the year. Yeah. Yeah, This you, you could say this is the I-5 Corridor's year-end traffic you report. You could. I dressed for the occasion, I, you I, kind I, of did. Well, you know, you it's... Know? I. One of my favorite things, like when you were in school, is like when you would get like the three weeks off for Christmas, mm. and it's just it's you a lot of that mode. yeah, it's a lot of pajamas. And we have a company policy here at the I five corridor. You know what? It's it's no formal wear um, mm. from December nineteenth on. So mm. just you might have seen it in the company memo. I, I read those. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're, you're kidding yourself. Uh, how are you doing, man? Happy Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Um, All of it. You're 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 flying back home to Michigan tomorrow. Not actually Michigan. Michigan. Where are you going? Uh, going mom's family in Boston. Oh, that'll I know, be fun. My birthplace, and then uh, I should claim like the Pats or something if, if they weren't so bad. Yeah. Um, and then to Chicago a week after that to visit some friends and. Probably end up watching some football, which is I didn't realize that the playoff was on New Year's Day this year, not New Year's Eve like the past few years. That caught me off guard and had my friends making fun of me because when I get something wrong, given that like it's kind of my dude, job, dude, that's the I get dumped dude, on. Dude, it's it's the worst. Like, for instance, even in a professional setting, like let's say like you host a podcast right. and you're talking about like when the transfer portal may be open right. or like whether guys can transfer multiple times within a season, like that stuff, like. Imagine, you know, I mean, yeah, imagine. Some Hypoth- podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah hypothetically podcast. speaking, um, yeah, like we get stuff wrong, and it's, it's well, it's, it's it's less that it's more like a lack of research, right? But, but yeah, but there's also like the inverse of that where like you'd be like at a party or something, and it's like you get like apologized because the conversation hasn't turned to sports, like you don't quite understand, like right. you don't quite have the the general. Um, IQ to hang in a, in a real person conversation. You know, so. it's funny you say that though, because I honestly am getting more and more apathetic about sports, and I'm like kind of okay with it. Yeah, I you know I I know that's a this is this sad is this is great say. great to hear as I do your year end performance review. Yes, and, right, yeah, right. I'm just so focused on the craft that I've lost sight of the sport. Exactly, you know? but no, it's I don't know if you noticed that at all, but because you do that for a living to an extent, and then it's like everyone wants to ask you about it. Like I kind of don't want to have six separate text chains every time like ducks football's on it, it yeah i i completely understand that and i and on the, like the flip side too like i understand like um you know whenever like the ducks have a big game it's on national tv i'll get a lot of texts from people who are just watching the game and right. like it's you know i'm the guy that they know that's covering that and like it's awesome to get those texts and yeah. just like hey like great game or uh ducks are kicking ass or or whatever and I feel bad because I, I respond to like a few of them, but not all of them because a lot of them come like right at the end of the game too. Right. And it's like we're down Crunch on the time. field or, or um, you'll notice this too. Like half the time we don't get cell reception on the field. Oh, and then yeah, it's like awful. you get back to the booth and then all of a sudden like the one tweet you tried to send out in the middle of the second quarter, like Bo Nix is sacked. <laughs> that happened three hours ago. Speaking yeah. of Bo Nix, I, I, I had a few family friends this year. That it would be like, you know, it was like the USC game and, and they, they're on national TV after, it's like week nine. It's like, wow, exclamation point, Bo Nix. <laughs> it's like completing 80% of his passes, wow. It's like, yeah, dude, he's been doing that. But, you know, not everyone tunes in. Did, because you have more family and friends not on the West Coast here. True. What was, what like, what was their view of Bo Nix? Was it like... Because, you know, like, we had talked about, like, the Bo Nix bias earlier in the yep. year and, like, how there, like, there was still just still a lot of, like, not giving him his flowers because of what he had done previously. Like, 
this year were they like, oh shit, like you get to cover Bo Nix, like that's cool, or was or is it still kind of like it's it's a little bit of like holy shit, you know he's thirty now, <laughs> yeah, which um which, Wait, which, is, which by the way, happy, happy birthday yesterday to uh, former Oregon defensive tackle Casey Rogers, uh, mm-hmm. he turned twenty five, right, um, and we don't two, talk about that. two years older than Bo Nix, um, yeah, but I mean it's also like Bo Nix is younger than me, which is insane. So I can't really. I I, I I hate to break it to you as you move forward in this profession. Yes. Um, from now on, just about every one of those guys is going to be younger than you. Yeah. Unless unless they get like one of those like punters from Australia that maybe did like a couple missions. Right. I'll um, I'll lead the next transition. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk transfer portal because signing day is tomorrow, and you were saying before we got Sign, on signing day is technically today. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Um, that's that's the way the sausage is made. Uh, you were kind of saying it. It doesn't really matter that much. I mean, it seems like it'll be less dramatic than it was last year for Oregon, and I think a lot of that's because, like, the Ducks kind of got what they needed well, via free agency at this point. Well, it's it's funny because obviously the story coming into this week, I mean, coming into today, is the Dante Moore thing. They they get a commitment from the former five star quarterback number two in the twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two class, um, who had flipped to UCLA, played I believe it was nine games this season for the Bruins. Um, some good, some bad. Yeah, and so. The la- when he signed or when he committed to the Ducks, you can read it up on the corridor. This was like right at the time when UCLA and USC had uh, announced that they're leaving for the Big Big Ten. There was a, bit, a lot of questions around the Ducks and like where their standing would be. And then they got Dante Moore to commit to them, and it was like, all right, like the sky's not falling. I think that was the headline. And then you know, three months later, he ends up. Transfer. I mean, not not transferring, but not coming to Oregon. So, but that's kind of like what I mean about like what signing day is now. Is like, yeah, like we can make a big deal about of all these guys about the guys who commit even before they sign. We can make a big deal about like half these freshmen who are gonna, statistically speaking, a good amount of these guys are gonna end up into the portal at some point in their careers moving forward anyway. So it's it's hard to kind of like look at the early December signing class and, and viewing it as kind of like that big Christmas gift that I think football fans did every year of being like, these are the dudes that we're going to know for the next four or five years. Um, because especially like a school like Oregon, where they're getting their pick of the transfer portal litter and it's, you're getting proven commodities. You're going out and getting a Dylan Gabriel. You're getting the uh, division two run Jay Harris, <laughs> we'll the, talk about the him, yeah. division two running back player of the year. Um, it's just, I, I, I think the, the overall impact of signing day, which Oregon has a, another great class this year, don't get me wrong, and, like, this is huge for them. Uh, I, I just think it's, like, a little more, like, spread out and less concentrated in, like, the one. So one no day. no cigars this year? Dude, that's that's another thing. Like, there's no way he could do cigars this year after, like, losing to, like, Washington twice again. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, also, yeah. like, who's the five-star he's going to flip last minute this year? Right, and, like, and like there's there's still a good chance that, like, stuff like that happens. Right. But, like, we've, we've also seen them be very active in the portal, and Oregon's building a roster that is completely ready for next year already. Let's talk about that, because we haven't recorded in about two weeks because you had um, COVID, which is what, is that your second, third time having it? Se- second okay. second official time. I'm still zero official Really? Times, which is unbelievable. I mean, there's no way that that's you should, actually you should, go, you should go donate blood. Maybe you have... It's possible. Maybe you're patient zero. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, do you see yourself as a superhero? Like, like I know, okay. like, I, like, I know, like, we're... <laughs> <laughs> so... 
I wrote a, a Dylan Gabriel story, and then he committed like a day or two later because I, I was very confident. I mean, not that I was doing the sourcing on that necessarily. Right, but it was, yeah. I, I was bummed that it didn't get more traction because I, I thought putting out early might spark that, but I think actually putting it out early might have dampened the impact it had. Mm-hmm. Either way, we were sitting the last time listening like, hey, you know, this roster could be better everywhere, but like how can you, you know, when is when is Dan Lennon going to have better quarterback play? And, you know, you can point to some statistical numbers and still be like, well, is it, you know, is right. it possible to reach that? But now they've got a guy in Gabriel who entering Oregon is – has a far more impressive resume um, and, and looks better than Bo Nix did when he entered Oregon. So it's like, I know it's only one year, but what can they do with him? And right. to add more and to see more who said he cared about development actually follow through on that and go to school where like he knows he's going to sit and, you know, maybe Gabriel gets hurt. He'll play in some blowouts. And then to be, you know, ostensibly the guy for multiple years after that. I mean, this is now a top three, you would have to say probably top three quarterback room in the nation. And so... I'm just it's just crazy how how swiftly it's changed from like we're like is Bo Nix ruining Ty Thompson's chances right. you know he's playing the bow game ties out of there the whole thing got flipped in in 2 weeks Oh yeah I mean like you you could already make the argument that Oregon's 2024 quarterback room is better than its 2023 quarterback room. I, I think it's overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, like I, I right now I'll I'll say that Bo Nix is better than Dylan Gabriel but also as you said like Things happen when you go to Oregon, and right. and he's going to have a lot of talent uh, around him too. But I well, mean, we'll see if things happen because it's Bo Nix right now carrying that torch. Right. And yeah. If a similar thing happens for Gabriel, you know, then it's going to be like, well, they can get a quarterback to come from anywhere. But I, that's why I'm curious because it seems like you know, there's a lot of things that tugged Gabriel to Oregon. I think, but it's impossible to like point to the Bo Nix story now and not be like, that could be me. What What will be interesting though is just let's say Gabriel's great. Same situation. Like, are they? Does this guarantee that Oregon's not going to like take a look at the transfer portal again next year and see who like who's on the market? Like, I like I I know that like on paper right now it's like hey like Dante Moore like he was probably the most sought after quarterback transfer that wasn't like a plug and play like this guy's going to be electric like right away sort right. of thing like but just there's that talent there but you know this is also kind of like. This is the same situation like Ty Thompson thought was going to happen with Bo Nix, right? And and I'm not right. comparing the two guys. And Dante actually has like a proven, like has put some film on tape or some play play on tape. But like, it, it's it's just I would love to have been like a fly on the wall for like what those discussions are like for for kind of like the the progress the progression route for him. Yeah, um, I agree. But I also do think that looking at it from his point of view too, if he's Dante Moore probably cares about his NFL future. And if he sees that, like, this is the best way for him to develop in that way, and I'm sure he's still getting some NIL money to come here as well, it's like you're still having your bases covered. It's going to put you in an overall better football position, and it's not like you're, like, taking a huge step back and financially or even, like, exposure-wise because it's your name is going to be out there a ton as, like, the next guy at Oregon. It's no longer going to be, like, this big question mark surrounding everything. Absolutely. I think it's important to note, too, that they will have Will Stein back next year, it seems. I mean, I can't imagine at this point. I think there would have been rumblings if he was going to move yeah, on. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of fire around that. And and that being said, you know, a year from this time, we might be like, oh, Will Stein just took the open blank job or is going to do this. So having that familiarity, um, it didn't seem like it made a big difference, you know, between the last two years, but that'll that'll help even though it'll be a different quarterback. You know, I think it was easy to kind of nitpick the offense this year, but, like, all the numbers were insane. Yeah. And then they've, so far on the portal, you know, they haven't lost anyone of note to the transfer portal. I think everybody that entered was 
expected slash not a huge casualty in the eyes of many. Yeah. But now you know they they haven't. Uh, there's there's a rumor that the the Kansas State transfer is supposed to commit to Oregon, although it's weird that he hasn't yet. Kobe Savage, but everybody else they've gotten they've gotten the two quarterbacks. They've gotten um, Bedford, the really um, experienced offensive guard, and then they got this Jay Harris running back. So they're kind of I'm gonna call it double triple down on offense at this point. And um, you're gonna talk to Harris's coach and you know write something about that thing with Harris. Like he he looks huge. They don't need a starter starter because yeah. Reddington and James, like, that's a great one-two punch. And Harris, I mean, when you play at D2 or a group of five, like, all coaches and scouts say the biggest difference between those levels isn't the skill level players. It's the lines, the trenches. So I don't see it being difficult to project Jay Harris as, like, a really successful player at Oregon. Yeah, like, I, I think he can immediately, I mean, I say immediately, like, like I can study film to that degree. <laughs> but... I think he can slot in as like that that third down kind of goal line back. Like he's got that size. Right, he like could just take Jordan James' role from last year. Yeah, because I also think that Jordan James can just take Bucky Bucky Irving's. He looks role for so two. good this year. Like he just had gears he'd hit that I didn't know he had. It's. I I feel like all of these Oregon running backs, like we've just gotten like a little taste of all of them because yeah. like I've I've been putting together a little thing looking back on Bucky Irving's Oregon career and he had eight hundred yard rush games in two seasons, which is good, but also like I think at one point in Michael James's career he had, I think it was like eleven and twelve games, just like like just unreal type types of things, um, and. But the main reason that happens is, like, the amount of times he got more than 15 carries in a game was just, like, so few and far between. And that's kind of, you know, the 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 blessing and the curse of Oregon is you do have, like, a stacked running back core that, like, this year Noah Whittington would have got a lot more carries if he didn't get hurt. Uh, James, I thought, was the most explosive back they had towards the end of the season. Like, yeah, but Bucky didn't look like himself. But I think it's almost a service to these guys because we see that – the, the running backs that are getting taken high in the NFL draft and who are having success have the fresh legs. Yeah. And, like, Bucky, you look at him, for all he's done, he's relatively fresh, and I could see him, you know, he's probably going to he's, he's I think he's going to be good in the NFL, man. Like, yeah, I, he reminds me of Jarek McKinnon. Like, he, he... Almost immediately. I mean, this is kind of talking about shit that we've already gone through, but, like, I, I think he was the most electric organ runner that I've covered. Wow, and, there you and, go. And, I didn't, yeah. and then I came after... With Michael James, Kenyon Barner, like my first Oregon running back was Royce Freeman. Um, I don't know if like Bucky was like an overall better running back than Royce mm-hmm. Freeman. Like, yeah. like Royce had incredible durability and just like his. I mean, the dude rushed for eighteen hundred yards his sophomore year. Like that's um, Bucky's career top was twelve twenty. I think right. like that's a substantial difference. Uh, but just like in the amount of like just like jaw dropping like. Oh, like look at that dude run plays like we Bucky. Have to, have to dig in like PFF numbers on like missed tackles forced or some of those stats, but like truly every time he touched the ball, except for honestly that last Washington game, that was the only time I I would like the only time I remember him kind of getting bottled up on those jump cuts and stuff. Like it's kind of a weird like James would shoot out of a cannon. Bucky was like not even overwhelmingly patient, but just kind of. Would, would skirt the blocks in a different way, would take right. these other angles, and just super dynamic. And then I hadn't run, he caught like almost 50 passes this last year, which is nuts for running back. I know they weren't like deep shots, right? But swing passes and stuff. And um, before we move on to some other stuff, Nick's is heading out, Bucky's heading out, and Troy Franklin, who now is like the best receiver to ever come through the program, which is crazy because it seems like it was such a quick um, peak. 
I, I, I need you to be a quick editor for me. Please. Because so I'm, I'm filling out my I-5 thoughts, which uh, will come out before you listen to this. And I'm making a case for Bo Nix, Bucky Irving, and Troy Franklin in each of their own qu- right. Oregon quarterback, Mount Rushmore, running back, Mount Rushmore. And I make a long case for Nix. I make a long case for Irving. Because, you know, like there's been some really good quarterbacks. There's been some really good running backs. And I was thinking of leaving like Franklin's selection just like LOL, just because like it's like it's like it's that it's that freaking apparent that like this guy was like the best receiver Oregon's had. Like it's it's not really maybe there maybe there's guys who the fan base like attach themselves more to. Like as you were saying, like it felt like a very quick peak, but also it's a peak that you would expect from an NFL guy. Well, it's, it's, it's funny too that that they hadn't had many thousand yard receivers. I I've had it in one story like how scarce thousand yard receivers are in the school's history, and then he he has this record breaking season. And like Tez Johnson, I I should have known, but he's either like right under a thousand or he's right over a thousand. I think he surpassed it in Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Like he has this dynamic year too, and I think Ex- not that it got overshadowed, but I guess my question with like with those three. Like if you look at the, the the trio, like that's a pretty great trio all time, and I'm just yeah. I'm wondering how that ends up getting remembered. Man, the the way that Tez, because I mean, like I, I think I think people will remember Troy for kind of floating. Like he was like that guy could go up, like locate a ball, yeah. and just seem to like kind of stay in the air a little bit longer to just position himself to grab the ball compared to like DBs. Like he's not, I mean, he is fast, but like he. I was never blown away by like his his speed speed, but it was just like the few mix. plays though, right? Like the USC one, yeah, yeah. And, dude. And it's just like, but it's it's like he he's just smooth out there, you know. Like I, I wouldn't say that like he's going out and like Megatron and guys. He's or not just a like, violent player, exactly. He's yeah. he's it's it's he's a very beautiful wide receiver to watch. Whereas like Tez like was just like you get the you like get him the ball in a little bit yeah. of space and like he was just gone like like that was I, I think that might be one of the better like one two combos yeah. like the Ducks have had just in terms of like a deep ball and a guy who can also just take a bow throw and go turn it into something huge. I think the Ducks will end up adding one maybe even two more receivers, but I don't think they need to go for the prototypical like you know top number one receiver because. Tez, I think people don't think of it because of his stature, but he put up numbers mm-hmm. um, that would suggest he's capable of that type of role. And then Holden, like every time that dude caught the ball, dude, last it's just year, the, the last play I mean, of the, yeah. the, the, the Pac-12 title game. Like he he was a beast there. And then Gary Bryant's still there, and then they got Dickey, right? So the Holden my Dickey offense is going to be great next season. I think nah, you've been you've been working on that one. Uh, you you know, I just said it out loud. I thought of it. You know, um, it it is fascinating though that like Oregon has moved on from good quarterbacks. They've moved on from good running backs. They've moved on from from good receivers. It's I can't remember if they've ever moved on from a generational quarterback, running back, and receiver all in the same era. Like even when they lost Marcus, like that was kind of a, a transition because that was Royce's freshman year. Like, you know, it's And yet And yet and yet they might and yet they might be better next year. Like I like I I'm oddly more confident about them next season than this season because like we I don't think either of us thought like this was gonna be like this exact season. I I think Yeah, without back. treading on some stuff we have later, yeah. I I think I think a lot of people, including ourselves, kind of just overlooked Oregon for reasons that I guess made sense in the moment, but Dude, I remember I remember at the start of the year I was listening to the Pac I think Pac twelve radio and Jeff yeah. Sh- Jeff Schwartz was on there. 
And he was making a point of there's all these people who are picking like Oregon to finish like second or third in the Pac-12, and they're using the offensive line as like an excuse as like, oh, the Ducks have to replace four dudes on that. And he's like, look at the way they've recruited. Look at the way, like the transfer guys they've brought in. Like that's not going to be the case here at all. Like this is like, that was the position where they were ready to reload. And I think, you know, obviously we had questions about their defense going into the season that turned into be a monster for them. Um, That was the biggest question that we had about that team. And it was answered, right? Well, to put a bow on the transfer portal stuff, in Lanning's two seasons now, he's shown that the players he brings into the portal don't just have immediate success, but have like NFL right. type success. Think about Gonzalez, right? Think about Bucky now, uh, Bowen Hicks, obviously. Um, I'm, Ky- I'm, Kyrie Jackson. Thank was, you. Was, I knew was I was forgetting best, yeah. another obvious one, and I'm still forgetting. I think a few. I mean, Birch is going to go pro. It sounds like um, Jacobs at some point will probably go pro, and so you kind of just have this trust now where I would imagine they add a few more guys, right? Especially some, probably some defenders. And then they're going to be guys that probably just right away have an impact, like almost everyone they brought in has. And then that's being said, because you mentioned Jeff Schwartz saying, you know, Oregon second or third. We we picked our we did our team's draft. We did, we did nice transition by the way. Thank you're, you, man. you're you're really up you're, the slack you're, today. you're taking the reins and you're just you're just going with it. Yeah. So at at the start of the year, um, we decided to not do weekly picks because it's a pain in the ass to compile those every week. And, and we would not have hit on many. Of them. We wouldn't have hit on many of them, and I don't know how many of you guys actually care about them. So we did in our Pac-12 preview. We picked six Pac-12 teams each. We decided that we would put a dinner on it. Or lunch. Or, lu- or lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go figure. It's one thirty right now. Maybe we could just... Um, anyways. Can we get a little drum roll? I compile the stats. Team Tyson finished the year with 38 wins and 35 losses. Mr. 500. Mr. 500. Slightly above average. Shano, 46 wins, mm. 27 losses. Carried... By two genius picks, he got Washington with his third third pick, our fifth overall team, which is crazy. Are you serious? Yeah. God. And then you got Arizona, like at the very bottom. Thank you. Um, there were some. I'd like to say I'm proud, but really mm. I'm just devastated. I have to spring for a lunch. Well, you got Oregon. That was huge. I I can't believe, and we'll talk about this. I can't believe I took USC one in retrospect. That was a little. I mean, there was logic in the moment, right? Um, Cam Cam Rising getting not playing at all, right, I think, hurt you my... You took Oregon and then Utah. Correct. I took USC and then Oregon State, which was, I don't know, I had the orange glasses on there. Yeah. And then, but, you know, your Utah pick set the table for me to go with Washington, that single-handedly, I mean, yeah, that, unblemished, that, right? Ooh. That, well, well, that 13 wins right there, that's, that, that swung it in the end. Well, because what, Utah was 7 and... No, that Utah was eight and four this year. Right, so if we if we flip those two teams, oh, that hurts. But you know, Arizona was great for me. Wazoo started out great. It could have been a landslide. Dude, the, Wazoo, uh, when when Colorado when <laughs> yeah when Colorado and Washington and Washington State, Oregon and Oregon State were all in the top and USC were all in the top twenty five. They all started year. out three and zero. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, you no. know what? You know what? If they if if they if it was a sixteen game season, I think I would have come back. You lost this one, but you said you had a pretty magnificent fantasy football oh win this week. Okay, did you watch the game last night? Uh, parts of it. I saw. I saw what mattered. Okay, so my and you can turn this part off. It'll be about a minute and thirty seconds of fantasy. Football it's two talk. of the fast forward thirty second. 
we do a two-week playoff for our fantasy football wow, okay. league. It's, it's a bunch of college friends. It's about year 12. Four teams make the playoff. and Cutthroat. It's cutthroat. I was down basically going into the final two drives of the game. Uh, I was out of players. I was down by one point, and he had Jalen Hurts. Hmm. Jalen Hurts gets picked off like midway through the fourth quarter. That's negative two points. I go up by one point. <laughs> I'm feeling great. The Seahawks are driving. Hold on. The Seahawks are driving too well. There's too much time left on the clock. They're scoring touchdowns. Philly's going to get the ball back. Philly gets the ball back. First play, Jalen Hurts rushes like 15 yards. He gets a point and a half. But he goes back up in front of me by a point and a, or by like point five points now. I'm devastated. The group chat's going nuts. They're throwing the ball. They're throwing the ball. Why are you throwing the ball? That's into coverage. It's picked off. I'm back up. Tyson wins. Greatest win in the the league. It's called the Stafford. Greatest win in the Stafford history. That is uncanny. Yeah. Uh, Not an NFL podcast, but I don't get the Jalen Hurts hype. All all the two, three weeks ago, before they went on this losing streak, right after they beat, uh, who was it? They beat Buffalo. Weird game where they shouldn't have won. All the big faces, both whom I respect and whom I don't really respect as much. Were like, Take me through that list. <laughs> oh, God. But no, was, everybody was like, no, behind Mahomes, there's no one I trust more than Hurts. It's like, really? Like, I don't I don't watch a ton of ball I, these I, days. I think, I think there's no offensive line I trust more than yeah. Philly's I mean, it's, you see it all over Twitter. It's like Jalen Hurts when he's not getting pushed in the ass by a four-pound lineman. It's just like some, yeah. you know, meme or something. Um, all right, well... Well, anyways, I would like to congratulate you on you. Uh, your win. Do you have any preference for where we go uh, for a meal? We'll figure that out after the play. Okay, cool. Um, a minute on hoops, and then we'll get into our awards. Yeah. Did you watch the Syracuse game? I didn't, but I saw the score, and, like, go figure, they were missing another player due uh, to injury. Yes. Car- uh, Keyshawn was also out. So they were down four opening night starters. And yet, it's like it's still a lineup that, like, you look and it doesn't. It's not a poverty lineup. It's not like they're they're throwing you know three, uh, you know, non scholarship players out there, right? Right. Like they were at times last season. Um, but yet, and I'll probably write a story about this. They're shooting thirty nine percent from three on the year before that game, essentially. After shooting like thirty one. That, that was the that last was that years. was like Shane Hoffman's biggest key to this season was whether or not Dana Altman's team can actually shoot the three. Turns out it matters. Yeah. And then you know you get, I, you get three points for those, and then the other ones you just get two points for those. Oh, yeah, okay. That's so. Yeah, I mean, so then you look at it. They shot three of what, like twenty on threes against Syracuse, and they got ran out of the gym. And it's like not surprising. And that being said, if you look at the Pac-12 standings, I know they haven't started Pac-12's play yet, but um, you know, not a lot of great teams. Uh, Do you know who's won some games actually? Oregon State. Oregon State's won some games. I'm not saying they've won good games, but no. like we're grading on a curve here. We are. Yeah. Um, Arizona looks like they will be a Final Four team. Yeah. They just keep doing it. Uh, Colorado has some interesting guys. Utah and Washington State have started well. Uh, UCLA and uh, USC have not been good. Yeah. So and, and, just... and, and which which is interesting because they're coming through Eugene next week. Right. Are you going to uh, go to those? I'm going to go to the USC game. Okay. Uh, see a little Shellstad versus Brawny action. That'll be a good one. Um, Just for storyline purposes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think it'd be. I think it's. I think the I five corridor should be at the first. Yes. Final Pac twelve men's basketball game of the season. 
Uh, Shellstead looks great, but he can't be the only guy. They yeah. sh- they shut him down after a hot start against Syracuse. Yeah, man, you can't, you can't have like I I think I think he's going to be better than Peyton Pritchard. I also don't think that you can have like a six foot freshman guard being yeah. like the guy who carries an entire freaking basketball. I know team. we've surpassed our hoops minute, but I was out at Westland High School covering their season opener the other night. They have another one mm-hmm. like who absolutely watched Shellstad. He looks faster than Shellstad looked. Um, Does he have a name? Yes, he does. Pat Viavla. Maybe Junior? PJ Viavla? Viavla. Yeah, it's, it kind of... Ooh, it, at like first that. it sounds weird, but then it starts to flow. Now now imagine Joey McMurray saying that. Viavla. Cor- corner three. three. Yeah. Bang! Does he do a bang? I don't no, think he does no. a bang. Um, so they just keep pumping him out. But, you know, the, the last thing... Oh, they should get some guys back soon. I know not Dante yet, but... Like, if they can add a big man, it's like, well, if you're missing those threes... Maybe you start going inside, or maybe you're getting offensive rebounds, and there's like, it's kind of like three or bust right now with this team. And I do wonder if, because they're shooting better, when the big men get back, if Altman is now thinking, well, maybe it's still going to be a little bit of an outside in offense. Who knows? I hope they get healthy, because it's, it's not the most amazing watch all the time. It's it's not an amazing watch, but I think if you were to grade the non this non-conference versus past ones, like, yes. even, though, even though there's not like a signature win or this or that, like... Um, they look better again as as we've said a couple times already like there have been there are excuses for why they should have done worse these last yes. couple months and Oregon the last couple of years has often used those excuses I just hope there's stuff to write about this winter I think there will be and with that being said this is usually when we probably have you know a sponsorship read maybe um, however we don't have one we're hoping maybe Alaska Airlines comes through in the next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with our uh, Pac-12 or no, sorry, our our I five corridor twenty twenty three. Maybe that's why the sponsors don't think you could read a sponsorship ad perfectly because I can't even do them for my own. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. All right, and we're back. It's awards time. I I texted you a couple of days ago. Um, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Why don't well, we, we why don't we actually do some prep for this podcast? Let's do something fun. Let's do some awards. So I sent you like a list of. You know, 2023 Duck of the Year, 23 Beaver of the Year, mm. 23 Story of the Year. And I just wanted to kind of get, like, some of your general thoughts. Absolutely. On... A lot of conversations can be had around these Yeah, topics. so I, I think we should just open up and go straight into it. Um, who would Shane Hoffman consider to be the 2023 Oregon Duck of the Year? So I think it's two candidates. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm kind of closed-minded when it comes to this this one. I think it's Rob Mullins, mm-hmm. or I think it's Bo Nix. Okay. I think had Dan Lanning beat, or had his had his Ducks beat Washington one time, he would have had a case. I just, I look around, I don't see many other sports that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the baseball team has a case there for Coach Waz, perhaps. Um, but for Rob Mullins to navigate Oregon to the Big Ten and get out, you know, when they got out. Right. Important. You know, he did hire Dan Lanning. I know it's a this year award. Yeah. Um, so that that's obviously one, and then Bo Nix. I'm you know I'm sure we'll talk more about, but those were my two candidates. Do I need to pick one right now? No, no, you don't okay. actually, because I'm going to. I was my candidates were going to be Bo Nix as well. Um, that was a one of those seasons for my Oregon quarterback. There's only been four Heisman finalists in Oregon history. He's one of them. Um, he was the right player at the right time for a program that was left in the dark yet again by another football coach. We're going to see next year how much of this was Dan Lanning versus Bo Nix, but I think a very large part was um, 
I think a large part of the success was Nix's overall just complete welcoming of everything Oregon. Like, he was a really good uh, ambassador of the program for the two years he was there. Player-coach kind of deal. It's, yeah. It, it sounds so cliche, but... Um, so he, he, I was going to nominate him. I thought about Mullins. I, I think that's huge for them as well. But like along those same lines, I was going to say Phil Knight because if mm. if it, if it wasn't for the two decades, of how many him, does he have at this point? Seventy. Uh, actually, away? actually, actually, this would be um, I think uh, the sixth six in a <laughs> row. Um, he didn't miss. He didn't get twenty fifteen. He knows why. Um, but yeah, I just I just think for Oregon to have positioned itself to be in a spot to get to the Big Ten, to be amongst UCLA and USC and Washington and not get left behind. Uh, a large part of that has to do with just the million, hundreds of millions of dollars Knight has invested in the program over the last two decades. Like I know it's it's something that uh, Beaver fans like to like be like, oh, the only reason you're there is because of Phil Knight. And it's like, yeah, so... You know, it's just like every every school has kind of mega donors, and Oregon's has really gone to bat for them time after time, and it's gotten to them to a point where they're not going to get kind of left behind in this next thing. Do they get a football title before he dies? Go. We don't we don't talk about such morbid things here. Yes, I believe so. I I I just I think with the the base of level talent that the Ducks are accruing. Uh, the success that they've had in the transfer portal, where they are going to be able to have access to potentially the best players in the country. Um, they're going to be in the playoff next year. They're going to, I think, with the expansion. Hmm. I, I, I I, don't know how many years Phil's got left. He's he's getting up there. I think he's 87. But also, he's probably going to afford pretty good doctors. So. Mm. I think we have an agreement, though. Please. We're going to give it to Bo Nix. All right, there yeah. it is. I, I think, you know, he, he started the year on billboards. We can market that. Um, he was better this year. He was really fantastic this year. Um, you said a lot of a lot of the brand kind of gravitated around him. Um, we'll probably bring him up moving forward in yeah. this podcast. Well, and and it's just you know even even little things like and I'm sure there's more to this than just the goodness of his heart, but just playing in the bowl game. You know, I, I think this was the yeah. Guy we didn't talk about that, but that's going to be kind of like a. Sounds like Bucky's playing too, so a little bit of a swung song for that duo. Yeah. Troy will not be, not, or has he not, not decided? Not yet. positive on that one. Um, yeah. All right. Well, congratulations, congratulations, Bo Nix. He's listening. Your 2023 yeah. Oregon Duck of the Year. <sighs> Who's your 2023 Oregon State Beaver of the Year, Shane? It's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Two- yeah. The I five corridors <laughs> Beaver of the Year award goes to. <laughs> Uh, I have two candidates. One is more of a shout out than, well, uh, yeah, one's more of a shout out. First one, Trent Bray. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense wasn't amazing this year, but it was, it was good, and it does seem like he's been warmly received since taking over. I agree. They've lost some key players in the portal, not unexpectedly so. But they're hosting guys like Malik Murphy from Texas. He was at PDX Airport getting picked up to go down to Corvallis. They've gotten some other interest from guys, and they've also brought in some guys. So it seems like he's doing a good job, and it seems like a lot of the roster liked that hire. The other one is just, you know, shout-out Scott Ruick. I don't know. His team's winning. I think they're one of 15 undefeated teams in America right now. Uh, his That's a good basketball one. team. 16 maybe and, and that's pretty big for them especially coming off of last season too yeah, yeah. which was a weird year for them they were not picked high entering this year 
you know, they might still not be amazing, but they have some talent. They have a well-rounded roster, and amid all the bullshit around that university, he's just kind of put his head down and continues to do his thing, and he's nice. I like him. He's fun to talk to as well. Do you know when Time Magazine does, like, their person of the year, and it's not always, like, uh, somebody people like? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, you, you know, whether this person was a dictator or uh, blew up the moon or whatever, um, you know, the, right. Im- the impact that they had made them person of the year it's got to be jonathan smith well i thought about that but i was like is that like can we is that allowed it is now well there you go yeah i'm glad i didn't pick him then uh, you know it's just he he led oregon state to a season that was nearly cinderella-esque like they they at least hung in to like right. they they hung in the discussion long enough to, for him to position himself well enough to get they that fought Michigan back state. after yeah. it looked like they would yeah, yeah. It, it was it, it was a, a season where oregon state rallied um, when it seemed like everyone in college football was against them. And I think Jonathan Smith was the right person to lead them through that. I think he was the, the person that got the most success out of them for that. Like, we thought that they were a quarterback away from being, like, really good. I think you and I will both say, like, DJU wasn't quite the exact quarterback we were thinking. Like, he was, he was, you know, he was effective, but, like, also he was... I've gone back and forth on this one because if you look at his numbers, best of his career... Yeah. and. Like good numbers, I just think like watching Bo Nix all year. True, it, that's, it really that's, that's it really changed the way I felt like you know unfairly viewed the other quarterbacks I would watch. Where like then you turn on DJ, you flip the channel, and it's like oh, you couldn't complete it on third and fifteen, dude. All right, he missed some big throws. He made some big throws. I think he was good enough. I don't think he was, and we'll get into this. Good enough to lead him to the the playoff. playoff. Uh, but I, I I will say though. Bray was able to get a lot out of not the highest rated talent yet again on that defense. Yeah. And the fact that like he positioned himself as I'm not gonna get on that jet, like I'm not gonna I'm not going to Michigan State. I'm gonna stay here and, and be a part of this. You know, obviously he knew more about what organizations or Oregon State's future looked like than the public did at the time because it was just like, Why would you take that job? There's no schedule, there's no uh you don't you just don't know anything. Schedule still um, not great. Um, they would need to go. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, um, I think, <laughs> I feel confident in agreeing with you yeah. and going, Trent Bray. Okay, congratulations, you are the I five corridors. You know what is sad about this all? Though? Beaver of the year, and they're still recruiting and getting guys right. Um, the sad thing is that despite it expanding to twelve teams, given their schedule, they like need to go eleven and one to be considered. Yeah. 100%. Moving on. All right, our next category, Shane, is... Play of the Year? Yeah, do you have a good one for that? I have one that came to mind. There's probably so many that should be on here. Um, it's the Knicks throw to Troy against Oregon State. The crossbody rolling out. Nah, that was that was the one that I was going to pick too. Good. That yeah. seems like if it, if it's the first thing we both thought of, that's the play of the year. Well, well, I was I was switching between that and because like with that, like you think of like that play represented a lot of things. It I was, was it was say. it was it was a, a big moment by a big player in a big mm-hmm. game. One of the best plays we saw him make. You know, it's, it's kind of similar to the way that you still talk about, like the the hurdle Mariota did in, in the twenty fourteen game against Oregon State. Kind of just, like antithetical to a lot of the, yeah, the, it's just, the people what we're preaching is like downsize for him, just kind of checking down and stuff like that. Yeah, so I I quite like that one. Um, I was also thinking about the 
the baseball walk-off win back in the in, mm. in the postseason. Um, I still I we have game of the year coming up. Yeah, I I have a, a TikTok play of like the final version of that when I scroll through my things and it's like man that was or Oregon baseball like, yeah actually we'll save this for later but yeah play 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 of the year we'll give to Bo Nix just throttling a throw to Troy Franklin across the everyone body. knows what we're talking about yeah that's a good sign um I, like any other ones that come to mind it's just there's so many big plays in a season like that I can't think so of so here 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 I was gonna say like from the last year and we're talking about calendar year so it's kind of like including the spring and right. this like is this the least memorable stretch of Oregon basketball that you can remember? Like, I can't really think of. Well, since I've gotten to the West yeah. Coast, it might be um, least memorable stretch. I, I mean, just like like when you like you, no, know, you I, think I you think of like this team in this era and like well, moments. Well, if you throw the women's and, team in, yeah, yeah, I mean, probably. You know, I want to talk about Shellstad later, but uh, the game winner he hit. Yeah, I can't think of another football play. I'm sure there was a few Bucky plays, but he made so many of those crazy make-everyone-miss plays that it's like, can you even pick one? So I think that's the right choice. Well, and, and, and Bo had a couple like cir- other like circus ones, too. He had a but... few. Oh, you know what else comes to mind, actually, now that I think about it? And he had two or three in this game. But the one against Cal, where he ducked under the blockers yeah. and then just rifled one, that was a pretty spectacular play. And Tess Johnson had a few, too. Oh, and then the Bossa, the Bossa pick against Texas Tech. You know, you know what would have been would have been a very good candidate for this would have been uh, the touchdown they took away from Jackson Powers Johnson after Bo Nix <laughs> yeah, fumbled right. it, and it was like, I I wrote like three graphs worth of like like scene lead for that one because it was like Bo was on the ground, he was like pointing to the ball, and to like people are already commenting on the live stream we've got going if he was a snub for Duck of the Year. Really? Jackson Powers Johnson, really? Should Ooh. he have been considered? You know, that's fair, because he is the first Remington Award winner in program history. He's a guy who, um, I think of all of the people that could be nominated and win it, I think Jackson would probably be proudest to win Duck of the Year. He also... Like, like, like that guy's been, like, all in on the Ducks since, like, he was recruited by, like, Cristobal. Like, he was, like, one of those ones that was, yeah. like, we're recruiting other guys on Twitter. He played multiple positions. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, good interview. Sim- in, you know, simply in football terms, at his position, nobody else is as good as they are. Like he's either the, he's either the best center in the nation or a top three one. I mean, and won the award. He'll probably be taken as the first or second off the board. Man, I'm glad. This is why we do this on the live stream. Thanks, chat. Thanks, um, chat. Shout out, chat. Shout out, chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I. Can we do like a little tandem thing? Like I think they'd Please. be like fun at sharing the awards, like Bo and JPJ. Nah, this is was the Bo next year. Like, this is the Bo next year. Yeah. All right. What's our next category? Story of the year. Story of the year. This is big picture. Like if you were to tell people like what was the story of twenty twenty three? Yeah. What is it? Uh, regrettably realignment. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. The other ones that would be in consideration are, you know. Transfer portal becoming free agency and quarterbacks becoming, you know, high paid free agents. You know, I don't, I don't know what else would be in, in consideration. I mean, there, there were there were so many that like were nearly there, like the Bonex Heisman thing right, was right, nearly there. Oregon's playoff run was nearly there. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's good. I didn't even think about those because they just they died. Yeah, I, I do think just the. Yeah, it's got to be realignment because this is this is what has dominated sports talk for the entire last year, and what we'll talk about all summer and yeah, fall. Because it's 
I mean, you could you could make a case for both schools. It was a story of the year too. I mean, like the what it's it's, it's going to be so fun to just watch all the fallout of of what happens with the Pac-12, especially now with like the court rulings where like Wazoo and Oregon State get get control of everything. Mm. Like it's. Can it's, we do a quick quick tangent real quick? Yeah, go for it. Um, quick, real quick. With Oregon, Washington, and the LA schools going to the Big Ten, those schools because of their West Coast origins, are always going to be linked, especially the next few years, mm-hmm. despite them being in a new conference. It, like We'll be comparing them a lot. Take out UCLA for a variety of reasons. When you look at Oregon, Washington, and USC, mostly football, but holistically as like an athletic department and, a, and just kind of a university, you'd probably say Oregon's the best positioned, right? Yeah. If you look at, if you look at next year and the next few. Yeah. There's a real argument between Washington and USC. I'm curious if you have thoughts on it because I was just thinking. About I, that I, 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 I think I think USC is currently standing as better positioned just because of it. People still think like, you know, it was the same th- thing when Washington's AD left when Linda Cohn left. Or mm. sorry, is that her name? When. Mm, no, mm. Jen, Cohen. J- Jen Cohen. Sorry, I apologize, Jen. Linda Cohen. What is this? <laughs> She's sports, sports, sports Center. Um, I mean, you, you could just see that in her leaving Washington right. to go to USC. But obviously, a lot has changed since then because her hire that she made at Washington has completely transformed that program with Kaylin DeBoer. Like they, if if they go out there and and win a playoff game, I, I think it's a different conversation. If they go out and win the national championship, it's a completely different conversation because I think part of I've said this before, but I think part of like what worked well so well for Oregon during its dominant stretch in the Pac-12, like the early 2010s, was the fact that not only was USC down with some of its sanctions, but it was also like Washington football was still trying to figure out what the heck it like was. They were coming out of the Tyrone Willingham era. They were the only winless team in in the entire conference. Mm. Um, like that has long been a sleeping giant. But when you talk about like premier cities on the West Coast, Seattle is one of them, and it's growing. And like if you if you throw in um, like think think about how many like the twelfth fan signs you saw before the Seahawks won the Super Bowl it wasn't a whole lot, and now they're everywhere. You drive anywhere in Washington and you see those all over the place. Like that's a city that really likes football, and I think if they think that they're among the nation's best, like there's there's a lot of uh, room for that to grow. Whereas like I think I think if you're talking about like the percentage of the fan base that's engaged, like I think Oregon's tops of that. I, I think Oregon is at the tops of that, will remain at the tops of that. I just don't know like how much growth there is to like Oregon ceiling there. Did you do anything different before we pod today that you could replicate moving forward? You're on fire today. I, I just, just I just, any, I, any... I just feel focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was excellently said. I think there's so much star power across the athletic department at USC, even without Caleb Williams now. Um, you know, they get Will Howard uh, from Kansas State, a great transfer portal quarterback. They also just keep losing guys. Um, I I could easily see them like kind of like struggling with the jump to the Big Ten football wise, like physicality wise. Oops. Their hoops team like was supposed to be good, not great. The women's team has has a lot of potential. Washington like like their hoops are so irrelevant, and it like doesn't really seem like it matters. They get another uh, quarterback. It looks like they could keep one or two of their receivers. Um, and I, I, I DeBoer is a good coach. Like he just is. It seems yeah. like I mean. It's gonna be different next year without Penix. Like they'll have to run a different offense. It, it, it's it's fascinating to this will be a post that I probably do later in the week. It's just 
post signing day, like heading into the Big Twelve, like comparing the rosters and and, and recruiting footprints of Oregon versus Washington, because that's kind of that's the that's the one thing that I do like about where this rivalry is at right now is like Oregon's biggest thing going into next year is like can you be Washington? Like I, I know there's a lot of questions around the other things, but like that's and they both reloaded and say this the, like the new quarterbacks right. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good rivalry. That's why it's going to be fun to see how they're linked moving forward. Um, and that was a more fun spin on realignment than we could have done there. But yeah, I think we so, should move on. Yeah, I think we should move on. Um, the 2023 I-5 quarter publication of the year for the second year in a row. We we're going to give that to the I-5 quarter. Wow. Congratulations, everybody. Woo! Um, the 2023... Story of the year? Are we doing that one next? Oh yeah, my all right. Yeah, this is this is like a white elephant. You get to yeah. say what your favorite story of mine was for the year, and I guess say my favorite story right. of yours for the year. Uh, I'm gonna start out. Um, your Ricky Bella story was awesome this mm, year. Thanks, like that was if, if people didn't read that one, it was back in August, I believe. Uh, Shane September, and, I think actually maybe September. Might have even come out um, in October. Who knows? Shane, Shane had kind of approached me with. Uh, the ideas of like wanting to do like more than sports and, and potentially also like incorporating some more multimedia. Um, and I had mentioned that like there was a chef on Twitter that I mm-hmm. thought was fascinating. And within like two hours, <laughs> you had already like talked to him and set up a, a yeah. interview. And it's, uh, it was about Ricky Bella. Who's the, the chef at uh, Palomar down in Southeast. Really cool story. I just thought it was, I thought it moved quickly, kind of took you behind the scenes. It was kind of exactly what I like in corridor, I-5 corridor stories. So uh, congratulations, Shane, on the Shane nice. Hoffman 2023 story of the year. Wish I'd done more of that stuff. Yeah. It's hard to find that kind of thing. And then- it's, it's hard in football season because you get yeah. into like such like a weekly, like what's, what's the next opponent? Like what's the theme of this week? What's the theme of this week that you kind of forget that like, with those stories, you realize that, like, it seems like such a daunting effort, but that it's really just, like, one day. And, like, you right. can turn that around, too. And so it's just, like, that doesn't have to be, like, this big, like... It worked really well. Yeah. I, I want to do more stuff like that maybe in the off season, and, you know, find places to publish those, even if it's not the I-5 corridor. Um, cool. Well, on your sports substack, my non-sports story. Yeah, this yeah exactly. Yeah, boy. No wonder we're climbing the charts. Um, well, I have, I have three honorable mentions for you, or three mentions for you. Okay. So I came more prepared in that regard to shower you with praise, you know? Oh, I thought you were coming with, like, three other stories that you wrote. That oh, you like. no, 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 no. That would have been funny. Yeah. It's like we weren't just doing me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought your your little mailbag intro on your grandpa was fantastic. Oh, thanks. I like that one, too. Um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, and then two other ones. I mean, you know, I think it was a very consistent year from you. Um, the the first uh, Washington gamer I thought was 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 nice. You know, it captured us trying to move around on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, there was some. I, I liked the tone too. You had that landing quote of like, "This game is entirely on me," and then you said something like, "Well, glad we're glad we've settled that debate because Bonix was good enough to win." So right. That kind of stuff. And then the third one was, you know, I I, I miss. I don't know if I miss. I just you don't you don't cover as much basketball these days for obvious reasons, but I always enjoy reading your basketball stuff. And I thought that your if Dan Altman's ducks aren't showing up, why should he expect the fans? That kind of game column that you did when you did go down there, uh, that was a good story. Yeah, I appreciate that. I I would like to write more hoops uh, this season. So uh, yeah. ducks maybe get healthy. You- uh, I I I was going to say just like, like circling back though. Uh, your gamers got a lot better this year too. Like I was even just like going back and reading uh, 
first week of the season, the Portland State one. The, oh, yeah. Like, the, the, like the 546 yeah, push-ups by the true. Duck. Like, yeah, it was just, just some nice nice flair this year. I, I feel like one thing you, you improved on a fair amount this season is you're not overriding things quite as much. And I mean that as like a sincere compliment because that's a, that's a thing that's really hard to get over. It, yeah, and and yeah. your your flow this year was, was much smoother, especially in first drafts coming through. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, I, I think this year I did less of the, at least for you, I did less of the blowout features. And I, I think that was a good thing. Because I, I think even with, I looked back too, through all of our stuff to try to find some stuff to nominate for you. And I, I think all my game stories ended up turning out really well and captured the moment well and didn't fall victim to like over, what's the word? Um hyperbolizing yeah well and 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 it's so easy to spot that out too because then you can go back and like read a season's worth of stories and um you know maybe maybe one where i did that a little bit this year was after the texas tech game where Mm. oregon struggled a bit in that game and i think like my like closing line was like oregon can still get to where it wants to go but it's going to be a bumpy ride and that might have actually been true like in terms of like the large picture looking how it ended but for much of the year like Oregon just like thumped teams. Yeah. Like they were. That was a weird game looking back. Yeah. It's like unrecognizable now. But yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I struggled mightily writing some of those stories, like in a way that I don't. I mean, it's it's like when I go and cover these preps games through Oregonian, like it's late at night, so sometimes it's a struggle to just get my thoughts together. But I kind of just pick something and go and helps when you're covering high school football or basketball. It's just a little easier. You don't have to. Right. It doesn't have to be as big of a deal. So I, I, I think I convinced myself at times during the season, I was like, damn, like, maybe I'm not that good at game stories. Like, I, maybe I need a lot more practice. I think it's just, like, the, capturing the right type of style for your site. It's a good challenge. Yeah. it's it's And, I mean, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but, like, I struggle to find my style for my own site sometimes, too. Because, like, I'll put, I'll put some, pers- like, parameters on, like, what should be a story. And it's, like, sometimes it doesn't need to be so cut and dried or yeah. um, it doesn't have to be, yeah. I'm still trying to find the line, too, where... You know, a lot of things I'm writing for you are very different, and I sometimes spend even more time on them just to find that right voice. But during the season, I'm busy and like not always good about reading a ton of stuff, and I read all your stuff, and I don't want to like, I don't want to mimic your style, but I want to have it in the style that it makes sense to follow right. the site. And I still haven't found, obviously, I still haven't found my writing voice, but I still haven't found the right kind of way to balance that. And I think just as as a whole, I'm trying to take things less seriously and write less dramatic. Because I'm, I look back sometimes like, damn, like why did it have to be that big of a deal? <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm a better writer to write it more dramatically, especially with prep stuff. Yeah. All right, we're gonna close this out with I five corridor curse of the year. We're skipping game. Of oh the no, year. no, sorry, we have game of the year and best thing we ate. Oh man. And we didn't even talk about best TV show we watched, although that'd be an obvious answer. I didn't put that on the. Yeah, that, that's gonna be succession. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say there's yeah. no debate there. All right, so you know, I, I really feel like the podcast has gone downhill since we haven't <laughs> had succession to. Build I know up. we have to find something new. Yeah. All right, uh, game of the year, go. I have two. That first Washington Oregon game. Yeah, like, that's just a classic yeah, game. That's was... everything you want from a game. As as close as this last one was, and the stakes, like on paper, were higher. It was a diff- different game. Different like, game. It didn't feel. I don't. I the the, really, fir- the first one felt like two heavyweights like swinging yeah. at each other, and, th- and this they one were, felt like they were lower ranked teams. Yeah, and yet it felt more. It just it felt bigger. Yeah, yeah, that was a massive game. I think that was the game. It delivered game. in every way you'd want, um, and it didn't have like a, a it didn't have the twenty to three stretch for Oregon where it's like, is this gonna be like an ugly game? Yeah, it got out of hand briefly, but it was a great game. The environment in Washington. 
goosebumps. Like I still think about that. That was so that, that was, was fun. Very that, that, captured that was, by that moment. That was that was a fun day to do our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and then just that Shellstad game winner. It was that, a, it was a great all round game, yeah. capped off by just a magnificent moment that feels like a moment that will be people. Like, yeah, like it'll be re- it'll be referenced right. down down right. the road. Um, I'm good with going Washington game of the year there. I Any like. other? The uh, the first college baseball mm. divisional round game against Oral Roberts where they came back from I think it was nine to one. Yeah, I actually that was the only game I watched. Yeah. and I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah, I went down for that, and it was just um, again as I as I said earlier, like it's few and far between. Like the the days where the baseball stadium there is like really like thriving and bumping, but when like when they get like the special sauce right there. And it's like good weather. It's late in the year, and it's like games that people care about. Like PK Park can be like freaking electric, and that yeah, was yeah. that was like one of the cooler, like completely unexpected from my point of view, um, just moments of the year for me. Like I, I didn't think that like Oregon baseball would get back to a point this quickly where it was um, competing in those type of you know super regional games at home. And, Dude, and yeah. like any of these teams, if they win, if they're ranked, if they play in the postseason, the fans will come, and that goes back to the. Altman thing like dude like they're not coming because you guys haven't been good and that's not necessarily your fault but if you don't have a number next yeah. to your name and you don't have like star players playing because of injuries like why would you expect fans to you know not smoke weed every night in their dorms and like to walk over and yeah. watch games like yeah like the, the formula hasn't changed in like your 12 years here <laughs> right Dana. success still drives yeah. interest um thing you ate of the, or place you ate of the year where you want we're sipping the curse like you're all over the place man well I mean Let's finish with the food. That seems yeah, like a natural yeah, okay. transition. Okay, it's so, about to get lunch. Okay, I five corridor curse of the year. So, I think we got better this year. I do actually agree. Like it was like the bad take list we had last year was we did a draft. Do you, do you think we were too influenced by our previous bad takes to really go out on a ledge this year? I think it was. I generally think it was the type of coverage. It was less like. This guy could be amazing. Or, like, right. this guy had one good game. Like, we worried about that with Bryce Betcher. Yeah. And then he ended up having a good it's season. Good and we just didn't do, either of us didn't do a lot of those types of stories this year. And it's easier when there's, like, more big picture stuff to talk about. Right. Um, <laughs> the, Willi- the unfinished business for the Williams brothers thing, it wasn't, like, a bad take or really a curse. Because, like, Evan had such a good season. But the fact that I led with, like... Bennett like not realizing the spiral of a Penix throw and like a big moment. Oh my god, yes. And then like Evan the exact like Evan was uh, in position to make a game so ceiling pick. That's so good. And he it just looked like he didn't see the ball. Yeah. And then I was the one that Polk jumped up between two guys. Like, yeah, it's tough. I love those guys. I love China both of them. And uh that was a tough one. I so I don't know if that's a curse. I don't it's definitely not a bad take. And then the only other ones I think they're not curses as much as just bad takes. I was really heavy on like what was what's Oregon's thing. Yeah, and you know I was I was I was, I was right there with you too. But I remember on this podcast of you being very assertive. Like this yeah. was like a really well baked point. Yeah, and I, I was it was mostly my own. I felt good about it, and it turned out um, you know you could make the argument they didn't need a thing. What the argument <laughs> was that Bo Nix was their thing, or the defense getting better, or, or like everything was their everything. Thing. The balance yeah. was their thing. Um, but I still I, I would have pointed to other teams for the balance. I think I still don't know what their thing was though. Yeah, exactly. Be- because um, they beat a team that I mean they lost to a team that had a thing. Right. Yeah. And then <laughs> lastly, I, got, I picked <laughs> USC first in the, yeah. the draft, and like my thing was my thing for yeah. them was like how could the defense be worse? Yeah. And it was worse. 
Um, my curse is like it's not that bad in like the large scale. I'm gonna go with my because these were supposed to be like bold predictions right. early in January of I picked Oregon State to make the playoff. It was it read more like you thought there was a route. Right, like there, there, yeah, and it was like my my route was like, hey, the two games that this team lost last year were because right. of bad quarterback play. Decent quarterback play Makes wins sense. those two games. I think the thing that I probably undersold a little bit is how freaking impressive it was for Oregon State to win ten games like the year before. Anyways, like take take <laughs> yeah, like take the quarterback out of the equation. Like Oregon State just doesn't have the talent, even with Jonathan Smith, to expect to win ten games year in year in, in, out. A, in a better just, conference this year, ex- exactly. But it wasn't like you were like okay, twenty twenty three college football right uh, semifinals like. Michigan, Georgia, Texas, and Oregon State. Right. Yeah. It was. It was just like I. I think that the Pac-12 could be complicated again, and I think there could there could be a route. Um, That being said, I really wish I wouldn't have written that one just because it kind of handcuffs you at certain times. Because like the court, the corridor wants to have um, some value to our word, and you know it was by like March where I was like, I think the Ducks are going to be a lot better than the Beavers this year, Um, and and they were by quite a bit. but but thankfully we just gained so many new subscribers this year that like most didn't read that I thought that Oregon State was going to make it. So, and then and yeah, there's the Bucky one. I, the, was, the, the Bucky one I don't hate as much because like the dude still averaged like six point five yards curse, per carry. Right? It yeah, it wasn't that. Yeah, because he was like six point five yards per carry. He finished at twelve hundred yards. I said he was going to get to fifteen. Um, you give him like four more carries a game. Yeah. Was was there any this is a little bit different but were there any players like 2 years ago it was like Byron Carwell like oh he's going to lead the running back rotation was there any players like that where like he's going to have a huge role this year and then not that it was just us pushing that but Oh so like like what like what we thought like Dante Thornton the right, year before. Yeah, that's another one. There was a few of those I I'm trying to think this year I think we were a little bit tamer with that. Yeah, boy, like the running back position specifically, as you talked about, that's what got us the year before because it was Byron Cardwell, Seven McGee. We didn't fall victim to the offensive line debate much. We, we mentioned it, yeah. but certainly weren't. Parading you know, I, I wrote a I wrote a off season profile on like Justin Jacobs, um, and and his his, his role would have been larger if he wasn't yeah. injured for the first half of the season and was good when he played. I think I I. Not vocally on the podcast or in Reddit. I did a Roderick Pleasant thing, and he yeah. didn't play nearly as much. Oh, no, I know what it is. I know what got Corridor cursed. Well, I, I before you do yours, because this is not really a curse, but I didn't realize Bossa was going to be as good as he was. Yeah, that's a good point. Go ahead, though. Um, I did, like, the... I did like the Q and A with uh, Camden Lewis at the start oh, of the season, man. and like half the like the intro to the Q and A was just like we've moved beyond like the worry part. So like that, like this story doesn't feel like it should be like the Camden Lewis is still because it had been like two years of him being Oregon's best kicker. He went so downhill after that Washington game, and I, I think it was all mental, man. Yeah, like, of course, like it's yeah. I feel I, I would not encourage anyone to be a kicker ever. Like maybe if that's your ride to a scholarship, but if you can be that talented at one thing, be a journalist. Like like. <laughs> Did you see? Oh, was was it Western Kentucky? It was some kicker the other day that had never attempted an in-game kick and hit the game winner, and they panned him before, and he was like head against a wall doing breathing exercises, and I just thought that was like huh. dope. I mean, it worked because he made it, but yeah. I mean, Maybe work on some breathing techniques. Uh, so sorry, Camden. I 
That's my bad. Good year, though. Yeah, good year. A bat, like, of saving... Well, if we listen back to some podcasts, I'm sure we could pinpoint Well, I mean, I mean, like, like ultimately, the corridor curse was me thinking that Oregon was a playoff team and getting my hopes up that, like, the corridor was going to start making playoff money. Yeah. Um, alas. But, again... Al- alas. Again, you know, they <laughs> could have been... Yeah, they could have been. We were close. We were close. Uh, is it... Thing to eat of the year? Sure, man. Yeah. yeah, you put this list together. All right, cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, like, I've been throwing things out there, and you keep telling well, me just, I'm you off know, topic. It's, I was going off the order you originally right. described. All right, where's the best place you've eaten this year? I, I really struggle with this. This is the one, of course, that I took the longest on. I'm not always good about marking down places I try, and I'm not always great about going to ones that are already on my list. There's so many good spots here. The one that just comes to mind in terms of, like, good food, good environment, like, hard to get into, like, Eam. Yeah. Really good. I went there three times this year, all this year. Um, like, really solid. Kind of represents everything Portland's about. To yeah. And, and, and Eam is definitely, it's near the top of the list, if not at the top of the list, of you have, like, a friend or whoever yeah. in town right. or, like, your parents are in town. Like, where's exactly that I did, yeah. yeah. Um, did that a couple weeks ago. It was great. Probably the place that I get takeout from the most. That's um, right, because you, you skirt the line. I skirt, skirt the line, and it's it it packages up really well. Um, you're not going to be surprised by this, but I'm going with a pizza place. <laughs> no way. No way. I'm going to Lombardo's Pizza on Lombard, of all places. They opened up back in, like, July. It's just this one guy who works in there, and he works his butt off, and he talks to you the entire time. Is it a there. small hole-in-the-wall It's store? a small hole-in-the-wall place. I believe it used to be a laundromat. The, mm. guy, um, the guy moved over from New Jersey, I think, recently. It's just very homey. It's very comfortable, and the pizza is the best I've had in the city. And I've had some pretty... I've, what I've, makes I've, it so good in your the, life? The, the, the sauce is, like, bright, but complex, um, it's a very thin crust. It's got the right proportions of cheese. Like, it's a good slice, you know? Like, when you think of... Um, I mean, you just think... Of, like, it's my, my favorite one there is, is their tomato pie, where they actually... It's a real thin, real thin. They put cheese on top and then ladle some of the, the uh, marinara on top of that. And it's it's just... It's just delightful. And it's not like... My, my other, uh, other pizza place in Portland that I love is Ranch Pizza, which does that Detroit-style pizza. Mm. But, like, that's pizza that I feel really bad after eating just because right. it's, like, that's a meal. Uh, Lombardo's, like, you feel like okay. like you're, you're satiated. Like, you're not, like, if you're hungry, you're not going to be still hungry afterwards. But, like, you're, yeah. not, you're not completely weighed down. And we're really missing the opportunity of some more food writing, aren't we? Just listening to you articulate your thoughts on this. I mean, there was a – you quote – or you responded to it on Twitter. Someone put out their list of top pizza spots, and I think you argued that Lombardo should be on there. And it made me realize, like, I've just it's an untapped market for me since I've moved here. And so maybe yeah. you know a New Year's resolution I, for me, yeah, could be more pizza. Yeah. And I'm wondering for you in the corridor, what your resolution is. Um. Oh, that's a good as thing. A, as a reporter and an owner of a Substack, what is your New Year's resolution? Um. I think I'm going to just write a lot more. I I, I think. Uh, I think Any cor- particular reason? No, but I think the corridor got to a point this year where I either need to dive in with both feet or become a doctor. Okay, and, I don't see that in your And since I'm only 27 years old, um, by the time I become a doctor, I would nearly be in my mid-30s, so... Um, and that would be depressing. That would be that, depressing. Oh, my God. Imagine so, that. Um, well, honest to God, though, if, if you made it this far, um, we are going to be ramping up things on the corridor. I'm 
gonna go all in on this thing and see uh, see how far into baseball season it will take us. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that your 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 livelihood actually kind of depends on like a seven foot center's health? We'll see, you, we'll see you guys next year. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.